What do we receive at Easter? What do we receive at Easter? You know, for some of you, you probably went and thought, well, chocolate, candy, an Easter basket, a new outfit. And yeah, those are some things that we do receive at Easter time. But can I remind you this morning that those are temporary? They're temporary. At Easter, we receive hope. And that hope is eternal. Amen? And that hope is for all people. Amen? I mean, as we talked about this morning during our sunrise service, Scripture even tells us that when they went and they saw the empty tomb, they began to share, well, remember, Jesus said this was going to happen. And Scripture basically says, and they remembered. That's why we come together on Easter Sunday. That's why we invite our family and our friends to come to church with us on a Sunday morning such as this. Resurrection Sunday is to remind them of the hope that comes with Easter. There's a church service much like this morning. A young woman showed up. She came in. She was greeted by the greeting team and she began to share and she began to share about her life and she began to explain some of the things that she had been through. She exclaimed that she was a heroin addict on reco- in recovery. And you could tell by the scars from the needle marks on her arms that that was something that she struggled with. Her name was Anna. And as Anna came to church that day, she had kind of come on a whim. Going through recovery, they said, well, maybe you need to add some religion to part of your process. That usually helps folks. And so she showed up at church that day. She began to share. After church was over, she went to pick her children up from the nursery. And when she did, she was met by Jane. And Jane said, well, ma'am, I just want to let you know that your two little boys, they were quite disastrous. They broke several toys and just were causing a ruckus. As they told her that, she said, oh, and she threw out an expletive. There were other parents around. There were children around. You can imagine the scene. So she left that day, Anna left that day, with even more shame and guilt, and she was burdened. But guess what? Jane, that she had interacted with in the nursery, said, this isn't how this story is going to end. So Jane wrote, got her address because she had filled out a Connect card. And Jane wrote her a letter and said, listen, it's okay. It's okay. I love you. Jesus loves you too. Guess what? Anna came back. Anna began to take next steps towards Jesus. Two years later, Anna was the directory 
was the director of the nursery. Do you think whenever people came into the nursery who might be burdened, who might, you can physically see that they're burdened, do you think Anna might could minister to them? How many of you would be like Jane and say, this isn't how this story is going to end? I told you this morning that Easter is about hope. And it's hope for all people. Regardless of their background, regardless of what they've been through, regardless of what's in their past, it's for all people. Praise God that Jane reached out to Anna, that Anna took next steps towards Jesus and towards serving Him. A few years passed. The guy who was telling the story said that Anna died. She relapsed. She was back on heroin. She overdosed. Jesus came for Anna. And Jesus came for you. Because listen, Rabbi Zacharias said this. He said that Jesus did not come to make bad people good. And to make good people better. Jesus came to make dead people alive. He didn't come to make bad people good and good people better, but He came to make dead people alive. Friends, if you have not accepted the free gift of salvation from the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a dead man or dead woman walking. Because that is where your sins, that is where all you may try to be a quote-unquote good person will get you. The only thing that you're promised is death and hell. But enters Jesus, who died on an old rugged cross, to change the story. I'd like for you, if you have your copy of God's Word, to turn over to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I want you to turn to John chapter 19. John chapter 19, starting in verse 28. Also, if you don't have your Bible with you or you'd like to look, turn on the back of your bulletin. The scripture is printed there along with a place to take notes, along to interact with God's Word. If you found your place, say Amen. John chapter 19, starting in verse 28. And after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill Scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. And so they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to His mouth. Verse 30, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Let's pray. Father God, will you bless the reading and the teaching and preaching of your word? Amen. It is finished. 
It is finished. What is it? I-T. What is it? What is finished? Friends, it's the fact that Jesus was who he said he was and he did what he said he was going to do. Amen? It's the fact that he, that God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It's finished. Everything that was promised, as we read from Isaiah this morning at the sunrise service, that by his stripes, by his wounds, we are healed. He was crushed. The wrath of God, the punishment for our sin of all the world was poured out on the Son, on Jesus. It is finished. Our striving, our doing, our trying, our religion, our rituals, it is finished. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. There were no more sacrifices that needed to be made. The the perfect Lamb of God rolled onto the scene. He was beaten almost to the point of death. Most people never made it past the beating. And as we talked about this morning, as we stood there at the the beautiful cross in Evergreen Cemetery, a cross in Jesus' day was an emblem of shame. As we look here in this middle stained glass window, thank God for depictions and stories like that. But as Jesus hung there, that's a, that's a, uh, a family friendly version of what happened. When Jesus hung on that cross, he didn't hang with some loin cross. When you hung on the cross in those days, you hung naked in your shame and guilt. It was, it was, it was meant to be shameful. Look at him. They, they spit, they mocked him. They did that with others that were killed and put on the cross. But Jesus said what he was going to do, and he did it. And he took an emblem of shame, and he made it into something beautiful. Amen? And as we mentioned this morning, each and every one of you have baggage. Each and every one of you have scars. Each and every one of you have wounds. But it's only through the shed blood of Jesus that you are seen as righteous and pure before the Father. That's what the cross is all about. So it is finished. What is it? It is that Jesus is who he said he is. And Jesus did what he said he was going to do. Can I tell you, can can you lean in just a second? Lean in. It is finished. Those are eternity altering words. It's a shift. It is finished. As I was preparing for this message, I talked to other men of God that I know in my life. One's a youth pastor, one's a guy who works with me. And so we we wrestled with this question of what is it? And listen to one of the other questions that we asked. What do you 
need to be finished with? What do you need to be finished with? Listen, my buddy Nathan said this. He said, what is it in your life that is holding you back from God's true purpose in your life? So that the end of your life, you can confidently say, it is finished like Jesus. If you're taking notes this morning, you have the backside of your bulletin, I encourage you to write a little blank, write you a little line, and then write the words, is finished. Blank is finished. I'm going to give you a few answers. So I have to ask you in your life, Can you resonate with any of these? As a believer, we talked about hope. This is where your hope comes from. Blank is finished. What is? What are some of those? Acting like you have it all together is finished. When Jesus came and died on the cross, when He arose from the grave, you acting like you have your life all together is finished. Because you having your life all together, friends, that's not going to save you. You being a good person is not going to save you. Jesus steps on the scene. Jesus does what He says He's going to do. Is who He says He is. And we don't have to strive to be anybody. Amen? We don't have to strive to make a name for ourselves or to be good or to stand out. Because acting like you have it all together is finished. Listen, fearing failure is finished. Denying help is finished. Gripping for control is finished. Making a name for yourself is finished. Dwelling on your past is finished. And worrying about your future is finished. As we sang the other week, we sang the old hymn, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. If you don't hear anything else in this message today, because He lives, friends, you can face tomorrow. We just have to look to Him. Stop looking to yourself. Stop looking to your bank account. Stop looking at your friends. Stop looking at your mom and daddy. Stop looking to your preacher. Look to Jesus. That's where He's the author and finisher of our faith. He's our strength. He's our hope. Can I remind you this? That there is no new without the old being finished. There is no new without the old being finished. And so this morning I have to ask you, what is it that you need the power of God to remove? What is it that you need the power of God to remove from your life? And then I wrote this question. What is it God has called you to do? What is it 
that God has called you to do? What is it that God has called you to finish? If I could really quickly, I'd like to just mention a few people that I immediately came to mind. Miss Cindy over here, the Lord put her in a ladies golf group. You might say, what's that got to do with anything, Pastor Chris? Has a whole lot. Because guess what? Cindy is the only believer in that group. And they'd go out on the golf course and they'd miss, miss a putt and say, oh, we're, sorry, Cindy, sorry. And Cindy would tell you all the time, don't tell me you're, I, don't tell me you're sorry. But she shows up, she plays golf with people, she tries to be like Christ, right? Love and encourage them. And you know what happened? Over time, what happened? Hey, Cindy, will you, will you pray for me? I, I got this going on in my life. Will you pray? Absolutely. Right? He's embedded her in a place where he needs her to show up. A few weeks ago, we talked about what? Jesus said, where I am, there my servant will be also. Did you ever think about that you could be Jesus on a golf course with a group of ladies? You ever think about that, Miss Cindy? I think about Miss Helen. Miss Helen has a heart and a passion for people that are shut in, are shut-ins, people who are homebound or in a nursing home. And so what does she do? She, she takes time. We all are limited in time, amen? We only have so many hours in the day. She could stay home and watch Madlock, but she decides to turn the TV off and go visit people, right? Why? Because she wants to be Jesus to them. She wants to show up and remind them, hey, I love you. Jesus loves you too. How can I pray for you? What's going on in your life? And some of those people that she goes and visits, how many visitors do they get? They don't get a lot, do they? She hasn't forgotten them. My wife, Kendall, I think about her often. She's the love of my life. We've gone through a lot together. But Kendall shows up every day at the Sumter Pregnancy Center with a heart and a passion to be Jesus to mothers who are experiencing unplanned and unexpected pregnancy. She has a heart for the unborn. She's the first line of defense, if you will. When somebody calls the pregnancy center and they're freaking out because they might be pregnant, the first person they talk to is my wife. And y'all, I've heard some of the stories. She doesn't shame them. She doesn't laugh at them. She scratches her head sometimes when she gets off the phone. But people get put in some bad situations. People don't understand their body. They don't understand how it works. It is true. This is 2019, regardless of education, regardless of whatever. There are people that don't, they ask questions sometimes and you're like, wait, what? But you don't say that to them. But she goes and she shows up to be Jesus to them. I think about Autumn. Autumn works with children with autism during the week. And Autumn came to the deacons of this church and she said, I want to start a a support group for people, families that are dealing with autism. Now, she didn't come to Brother Jimmy and say, Hey, Brother Jimmy, I think y'all need to start a support group. Good luck with that. See ya. No. The Lord put a burden on her heart because of of her brother. And she knows what it's like to be 
in those situations. She knows what those families are going through. And so what did she do? She's showing up to be Jesus in that situation. She showed up and she told Brother Jimmy, she told us, that the deacon, she told me as the interim pastor, she said, look, I want a safe place for people that are have children with autism to be able to go. They don't. A lot of them don't even have in the church that they identify with. I want us to open our doors and I want us to be Jesus to them. And you know what? Brother Jimmy didn't have to say, well, time out. We need to pray about that. We'll get back to you next month. No. Why do we exist? We exist to help people take next steps towards Jesus. Amen. We exist to exalt the name of the Lord. We exist to help people understand who Jesus is. We exist to walk alongside of people and say, hey, Brother Bill, I'm sorry, man, you had a bad week at work. But man, I love you, brother. It's going to get better. Keep looking to the Lord. Right? Because the Bible tells us that the Lord comforts us so that we may comfort others. That's what church is all about. Church is not, it is what we're doing right now, but can I tell you something for some of our visitors this morning, and I say it again and again and again because I believe it, and that is this, that circles are better than rows. Amen? You ask Jay and Tammy, Brian, are circles better than rows? Yes. Why? Because they got to know Bill. They got to know Mary. They got to know Cindy. They got to know me. But guess what? We're also diving into God's word together. Amen. You think about earlier this morning, we had a slide up here that talked about our prayer meeting on Wednesday night. Do you think that prayer group is powerful? Yes, by God it is. And why is it? Because they're in a group and they're in a smaller setting and they're saying, hey, you need to pray for my coworker. You need to pray for my cousin. You need to pray for this church member who got in an accident. You need to pray for our church. And they pray. Thank God for praying people. Amen. They make it their priority. Y'all, I said I wasn't going to go long. Oh, well, so much for that. All right, so listen. What has God called you to do? Listen, if you're a mama or a daddy, He's called you to be the best mama and daddy that you can be. Are you going to mess up? Yes, you are. But you need to keep looking to Jesus. You need to keep looking in His God's Word. And you need to point your children to the Lord. You don't need to point them to your bank account, your 501 uh, 401k. You don't need to point them to, you know, we're going to go watch Dr. Phil to find out how we're going to fix our family this afternoon. You don't need to point them to the latest self-help book. Why? Because you walk in the bookstore, what is there? There's a whole section. Everybody wants help, but they don't look in the book that can actually give them the help that they need. Amen? Everybody else is just talking heads, filling pages flying off of a press, and people making money. When you and I have the answer, You and I have the answer. You sit under preaching and teaching like you are today. It's not that I'm great. No, I am a vessel. People say, well, Brother Chris, that was a great message. Well, praise God. And I always point them to the Lord. Why? Because I'm a sinful vessel. I struggle with things just like you do. I am not perfect. Do not put me on a pedestal. Thank God I'm the interim pastor because you can do like this anytime you want to. Whatever. It's all good. But... Listen, where do you need to show up? So be a mom and daddy. Listen, be a grandmama or a granddaddy who prays for their grandchildren, who talks about how they struggle with things and how the Lord got you through. I'm so thankful for the conversations that I sat down and had with my grandparents before they passed. With some of them, didn't get to with all of them. But I asked them, how'd you get through that? Oh, a lot of prayer, a lot of relying on the Lord. But you know what? I know that. Why? Because I had a conversation with them. And conversations lead to relationships. So if you want to go deeper in a relationship, then guess what? Who do you need to have a conversation with? 
Finally, because it is finished and because Jesus is who He says He is, there is hope. This morning, when we went to the sunrise service, Ashley shared a great uh, song with us. It's called, God, You're So Good. Listen. Because it's finished and because Jesus is who He says He is, listen to these truths. I am blessed. I am called. I'm healed. I'm whole. I'm saved in Jesus' name. Highly favored, anointed. Filled with your power for the glory of Jesus' name. God, you're so good. You're so good to me. If you're taking notes again, we talked about a few minutes ago, we said blank is finished. Here's another one for you. You are blank. You are blank. Listen to this list. Because it is finished, you are eternally accepted. You are never alone. You're free to fail. You're free to cry for help. You are to remember your past does not define you. You are free to take risks for God. You are eternally loved. And friends, when you look to Jesus, you are strong. Why is that? Because you have resurrection power living inside of you. It is finished. It is finished. That's the English way we translate that. In the Greek, the word is to telestai. To telestai. And it's this. It's an accounting term. And it means paid in full. It is finished. Paid in full. The sin debt that you owe the Father that you cannot pay. Jesus paid it for you. The wrath of God, Jesus took that. Friends, your attempts to earn salvation, it is finished. To tell us die. This morning we also sang a portion of a song called Death Was Arrested. Listen to the truths of these words. Oh, your grace so free washes over me. You have made me new. Now life begins with you. Friends, I just invite you during this time, we're going to take communion here in just a few moments. I need to set up the the song that we're going to sing. But as Miss Betsy continues to play, I, I just ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. And what is it in your life that you need the power of Jesus to finish? Friends, will you give it to him this morning? What is it? What is the it God has called you 
to do. Let's ask you to spend just a few moments with him to ponder these things, to pray, and to prepare your hearts.